This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Happy New Year, basketball fans. Yes, yes, yes. It is your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. And I am your host, LaChina Robinson. And it's actually me, and I'm actually live. (laughs) We are so excited to be back with you. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone. We had a two-month lull where we were unable to record uh, new episodes of the the Around the Rim. Now, we did have content now. We had some amazing interviews that we recorded on National Media Day. I want to thank my producer, who, of course, is with me, Tarika Foster-Brasby, for doing such marvelous intros. Who knew that Tarika had that host ability in her? Girl, you did that. I was doing my best. I was I got I have great <laughs> I have great uh people in front of me named LaChina who give me great inspiration. Oh stop girl you were awesome. You were awesome. So we kept the shows rolling. I mean we had Kelsey Plum, Kelsey Mitchell, we had Don Staley, Jeff Walls. We had some awesome content and we were experiments with a bit of a change in our format we usually go four quarters but we wanted to do some in-depth interviews we kind of kept it shorter but tried to go one-on-one and we got awesome feedback and just want to thank you guys for hanging in there with us and for your support um it was also a very challenging time of year for Tariq and i both as we both uh, lost members of our immediate families so we thank you for our prayers through that time but we are back And 2016 was awesome. We launched Around the Rim February of last year, and we could not be happier with just the response of the fans, the cooperation of players and coaches and SIDs, and um, from the WNBA to NCAA. I mean, we were so excited just about having this platform and um, because of you, the fans, and tweeting about it and listening in and downloading it. Um, we still have a show, so we are excited and we're looking forward to an even better 2017. And with that, here's how we will be proceeding. Starting today, we do have one more episode of our interview series with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. That's right, Muffet McGraw and Brianna Turner. And this is the in-depth sound that we did on National Media Day. Lots of great content, which applies to just their team and and Muffet, you will really, really love this one. But we're adding to it a brand new interview with Charlie Cream, ESPNW's bracketologist, who is going to share with us his thoughts on how the bracket is shaping up thus far, especially as it pertains to the ACC and Notre Dame, because uh, the league has definitely been shaking up with the push of the NC State Wolfpack that we've seen as of recent. We have so much in store this season. Just want to remind you, every Sunday and Monday, um, women's basketball wall-to-wall on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, SEC Network, ACC Network, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Also wanted to remind you to keep going to ESPNW.com. Subscribe to our podcast. We are uh, on the ESPN Listen app as well as iTunes. And uh, before we proceed, I just want to hit my quick five points for my clipboard. That's right. This this year I'm introducing my clipboard, and there are five things that I just wanted to hit on very quickly. Obviously, UConn, 90 straight wins. Just fantastic. want to congratulate Gina Oriema, Chris Daly, their staff, their players, all of those that have been a part of the streak. 
I don't even know what to say. I mean, they are the standard of excellence. There's no way around it. And um, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on what UConn does moving forward. Obviously, they're trying to break the streak of 90. This matches their old streak, but if they get to 91, it would be a new record. NCAA men's, women's, period. Shut it down. Drop the mic. Uh, number two, the hand clap hoopla. If you have not seen the video, go to ESPNW.com. Our ESPN talent, along with producer Beth Chapel have come up with the Hand Clap Hoopla Challenge, and they're challenging all NCAA women's basketball teams to create their own Hand Clap Hoopla video. And you can upload it, share it via, via social media. It's awesome. Holly Rowe, her vision was outstanding. Um, so make sure you do that. Also, wanted to just extend a formal welcome, a formal welcome to Tamika Catchings, joined the SEC Network this past weekend, as an analyst, I had a chance to work with Tamika on her first broadcast. She has amazing insight on the game. Um, we're talking about, in my opinion, the best two-way player to ever play the game. So to have her analysis on our college basketball pa- package is going to be a ton of fun. So just wanted to um, welcome Tamika officially. And last but not least, on a sad note, we are sending our condolences and thoughts and prayers to the Northwestern women's basketball family as sophomore Jordan Hankins um, was found dead in her dorm room this week. And it has just been a tough time for uh, the women's basketball family. I'm sure for Jordan's family and her friends and everyone. Uh, We just, tough time right now. Just wanted to reach out and let Northwestern family know and Jordan Hankins family know that we are praying and thinking of you during this very difficult time. And with that, we are delighted to welcome into the show ESPN's women's basketball bracketologist, none other than Charlie Cream. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Oh, great to be with you, LaChina. Always a pleasure. Yes, absolutely. And especially this early, I'm always intrigued by how you are so deep into your bracket, uh, yet we're far from the March madness and time of picking our teams, but you're always ahead of the curve. So let's jump right into it. Um, Looking at your most recent tweet, I'm staring at it right now, your top 16 as of January 10th, you got UConn, Baylor, Maryland, South Carolina um, on that one seed line. Then you have on the two, Mississippi State, Notre Dame, Florida State, Oregon State. On the three, Louisville, Ohio State, Washington, and Stanford. And on the four, Arizona State, Virginia Tech, UCLA, and Duke. My first question for you would be this. Five of the top 16 are ACC schools. How in the world did that happen, Charlie? <laughs> well, it's, it's a combination of you've got some very good teams at the top. It's a, somewhat of a top-heavy league, at least to a degree. It's it's obviously a very deep league. With just just the sheer mass of teams in the league, you're you're bound to have uh, a bunch of good teams within that mix. And the ACC has always been uh, one of the highest quality leagues in women's college basketball. So that that certainly is no surprise. And I think just it's just a matter of that. It's just you've got a bunch of good teams. They schedule well in the non-conference, so their their numbers, their profile looks good. And they've won, and they've won some big games. I mean, we take a look in, for instance, Florida State. They they do have a league loss already, but that's the team that played UConn 
the closest of anyone in this entire 90-game streak. That that speaks to something. And they did it without their point guard in the game at, at the time. Uh, Romero didn't even play in the game. So that, that speaks to something. Um, Notre Dame always schedules really, really well. I, I think we've seen, even though Miami has, has falling, fallen out of the top 16, that's a team that's improved considerably over last year. Louisville's better than they were last year, at this point in the season at least. Last year they got off kind of a rough non-conference start. But they're, they're better, and Duke is much better. So you kind of mix all that stuff up, and it, you, end up with, uh, you end up with a bunch of teams near the top uh, of the bracket. And not to mention the, the Big Ten has taken a little bit of a step back, I think. And the Big 12, after Baylor and Texas, not quite as strong, not as many teams that it would be top 16 worthy. So that allows some of the ACC teams to, you know, move up and be in that top 16, that, that hosting possibility scenario. Yeah, and that hosting possibility scenario is everything, as we have seen. Obviously, the NCAA will start to do their reveal, which will also um, be fun to watch here as we get into conference play. To add on to what you said about the ACC, Virginia Tech, I mean, 15-0, want to give out the shot to Kenny Brooks because no one saw that happening. And then two other teams you mentioned, both Notre Dame and Florida State in conference have been beat by NC State. So the Wolfpack and Westmore and that group, again, speaking to the depth of the ACC. But we have to talk about the Pac-12. Um, as of your last full bracket update, the Pac-12 led all conferences with nine teams in the field of 64. Um, Charlie, in a league like this where everyone is beating each other, uh, how do you determine the strength in, in terms of what you're putting in as the number out of the league? Well, you, you see, it's a kind of a, a few, there's a few steps, I guess, involved in terms of that evaluation. Obviously, watching the Pac-12 network helps. I can fire my computer and watch a number of, of Pac-12 teams play. But in, in terms of the uh, analyzing kind of their, their data points and their, um, you know, what's, what, looks, what it looks like on paper, um, they've scheduled better. I think that's been pretty well documented. The Pac-12 coaches kind of got together and decided we need to elevate our, all of our schedules, and, and they have. Some are still weaker than others, um, but it's that's that's certainly part of it, that why the Pac-12 is elevated. There is a little bit more balance in the league, balance even at the top that we didn't used to see. And, and, then, and uh, uh, frankly, a couple of surprises this year. Utah is better than I think most people anticipated. And actually, even Oregon State, even though they made the Final Four a year ago, no one I, I don't think anyone would have guessed they'd only have one loss at this point and would have been able to handle Washington uh, the way they did. And I, I didn't have, at the beginning of the season, I did not have Oregon State in the, they, they were in the top 25, but they were not in the top 12 where they're sitting right now, or actually even top eight, if you take my, my latest evaluation. Um, so that's that's played into too some maybe better performances than uh, we anticipated. I, I ask, my personal opinion is that Washington's even a little bit better than I thought they would be at this point in the season, and and that yeah. certainly helps. And Arizona State is kind of where where I thought they'd be, but they've sort of inched their, after uh, after a little bit of a rocky start. They've kind of inched their way back in, winning on the road at Kentucky was huge and things like that. Um, it's it's a very deep league, and I think. Uh, that's been two-pronged and that the scheduling has been better, so it forces teams to get better. And they've, just as a whole, the coaches, I think, have brought in more talent, 
so now you know you've got this depth. I, I do honestly anticipate that a couple of these Pac-12 teams will start to drop off as we go. I mean, already I at one point I had Oregon in; they're no longer in the field. Colorado has slipped. Even Utah now. That, Utah's gotten into conference play. They're one of the teams that I, as I said, I was surprised about. But I think, but their schedule wasn't as great as some of the other teams in the league. I, I, they may be, they may be kind of fading uh, in terms of being in the field on a regular basis as well. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of unfolding happening um, in the Pac-12. But I mean, as you mentioned, I got to give some love to Scott Ruick because Oregon State, Sydney Weiss. I absolutely did not see this type of start to conference play. I mean, hats off to what they've done there. Um, and you're right about Washington. I mean, Mike Neighbors, this is just, it's, it's, it's great coaching. You know, when you look across the league, Corey Close, et cetera, um, the coaching has just been outstanding. And I think that is definitely a big key to where the Pac 12 is. Now, there is one hitch here with Stanford in terms of their hosting. So I wanted you to explain how that may impact the bracket as we move forward. That's right. And so going forward, and I just, I just learned this a week ago, because actually teams are still in the process of submitting their bids to host. They kind of wait and see, I guess, where they're at to see if it's a reasonable expectation they could host. So then they submit bids to the NCAA. Well, Stanford can't submit a bid because they happen to be hosting the Pac-12 gymnastics championships the same weekend as the opening rounds of the women's basketball tournament so Stanford's facility in Maples won't be available so with that if you were taking a look at where I have Stanford today they'd be a they'd be a three seed so then and if the sixth seed was able to host in that in that particular sub-regional then that team would would host so for instance I think um, in the last bracket I think it was more of a Stanford was a four in the last full bracket and they were they were paired with Oklahoma as the five, so Oklahoma would who who is able to host. I, I, I was able to verify that, and they plan on submitting a bid to do so. Uh, Oklahoma then, and so Norman would be the, be the host for that sub regional. Um, it's it seems like Stanford's going to be the only team not to submit a bid and that has an arena conflict. Um, last year we had that with Michigan State. Usually every year it happens once, maybe twice. And it, it hasn't really had a huge impact on the tournament overall um, in the past. Uh, but, it, I mean, it's, it's going to be disappointing, certainly, for the players at Stanford not to, if, if they earn the right to be able to host and not be able to actually do it. But it's, uh, it's just one of, those, one of those scheduling things that happens as a, from year to year. We usually see this a little bit. Yeah, I actually was assigned first and second rounds to um... – Mississippi State last year, who you know was not supposed to host in the first and second round, but because Michigan State was unable, they had conflict, I believe it was a high school tournament, was unable to host. Um, it was Mississippi State who ended up hosting, and they did move on. And I don't know, that that really, in my opinion, impacted the outcome of, of the game because those two teams ended up playing in the second round, Mississippi State and Michigan State. And at the hump, I mean, in Starkville, Vic Schaefer's done a great job of growing their crowd, and I really thought that that was a big, big key to them moving on. But – We'll keep an eye on the landscape as things move on. Charlie, I know we could talk all day. We're going to try to have you on as many shows as we can between here (laughs) and Selection Monday. But just want to thank you so much for your time and everything you do. And uh, we'll continue to watch the bracket. Fans stay right where you are. You heard Charlie Cream talk about the strength of the ACC. Well, the preseason prediction 
was for the Fighting Irish to win it all in the league. We will hear from Muffet McGraw herself and Brianna Turner right after the break. We are excited to have with us the Fighting Irish Finest, head coach Muffet McGraw. Welcome, Muffet. Thank you. Always a pleasure talking to you, LaChina. Oh, same here. I'm excited. You know, I'll be honest, the last time I saw you in this state of Connecticut, it might have been the final Big East tournament here, which was such an amazing game. It's, I mean, it's one that was so exciting towards the end. I really had to like go out to the TV truck and come back. I was like moving all over. So um, that was a great game. It was and, amazing. I mean, the steal with the layup oh, at the end, just as the, the buzzer's about to go off and to leave the Big East. What a great league that was. Oh, and that was the last game ever in Big East. So it was nice to do the Irish jig out the door. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it was incredible. And obviously you have a very talented group. Want to talk about a couple of your players. Let's start with Lindsay Allen, who, you know, when she came in, I said, as many great point guards that there have been in Notre Dame, how is she going to stack up? Like, how is she going to make a name for herself? And she has done that. I mean, amongst the Neil Ivies and the Skylar Diggins, she's been fantastic. In your opinion, how has she been able to set herself apart? You know, it's amazing. You come in and you're replacing Skylar Diggins. And we're, we're on a roll. We've been to a couple of Final Fours. You're a freshman. You have no idea what college is going to be like. You walk out, start your very first game. You take us all the way to the final undefeated. What, what an amazing freshman year. I mean, she is so poised. And you look at her and, and with comparing her to Skylar or Neil or some of the great point guards that we've had, she's different. And I think the great thing about Lindsay is she doesn't try to be anyone else. She just mm-hmm. tries to be her. And, boy, that's good enough for us. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about the NCAA tournament and just how she has had the ability in big games to take over scoring-wise. Like, she's very good at getting other players involved, but she can really score the basketball. She can. She's a pass-first point guard, but in the regional against Stanford two years ago, Oof. she's the MVP, gets 22-25. Uh, just an amazing, amazing talent. But she, she is very, very unselfish. Yeah, and and I'm looking across the board, especially in the ACC, and wow, the point guard position um, is going to be outstanding between Alexis Peterson or Asia Durr. I mean, it, there's the guard depth. You know, NC State's got a couple of very talented guards in the backcourt, so it's going to be fun to watch those battles. So Brianna Turner was, you know, excited to be back out. And obviously she's had some health issues. But what I found interesting is despite her shoulder injuries, look at what she has done um, and through the course of her career. What is a, about her, Muffet, and, and being with her day to day that she's still been able to be so effective on the floor? Well, it's amazing. She hasn't been healthy and, and hasn't really had a complete season yet. Mm-hmm. She's missed six or eight games in each year because of the shoulder but you look at her, she's so coachable. Yeah. I think that's the thing about Bree. She's got a great attitude. She wants to be good. She wants to be coached. She is not somebody that ever sulks or pouts when things aren't going her way. She just gets back in the gym and fights to get it better. Yeah, and she I know she went to South Africa this summer. She's had some experiences that seem like they have helped her grow outside of basketball, which have made her even more mature on the court. That's a great life experience. You yeah. go and you see some people that, that are struggling to, to find clean water and, and a place to live. Uh, they don't have a basketball court. And so you look at what you have and you know you're so blessed to be at Notre Dame. And I think that she wants to give back. And I think that that's why she's so interested in community service. And with all the talent that you have in your upperclassmen, as I told Bree, I think your freshmen and sophomores are going to be so critical in your run. And I know you're excited about Aaron and Jackie. And last year, I was probably very excited about Agumba Wale <laughs> and also Marina. How are those players 
coming along uh, this season so far? You know, it's funny. I thought our sophomores made the biggest improvement. We came back in the summer, and I just thought, wow, they're sophomores now because they looked more more poised. Mm -hmm. I I think last year was a learning experience for them. You're coming off the bench. You don't quite know how that's going to go. Now they're they're very secure in their spots. They're very confident. Worked extremely hard. Both came back better. Uh, I think they're fitting into the offense a little better this year, and I think they're a little more comfortable. And with your freshmen, I know also Allie now being healthy, um, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the team? I think Jackie Young, only because she can do it at both ends. She may be our lockdown defender. When we play, so many teams have so many good players in the ACC, and and we we need somebody to guard them. So I think she's going to be the one we're going to call on. That's a big task for a freshman, but she's long, she's athletic, she wants to contribute at that end, which for somebody that scored over 3,000 points and is the all-time leading scorer in the state of Indiana, it's surprising that she's a pretty good defender. That she wants to buy into defense. That just does not normally happen. It really doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations on that. I remember you and I having a conversation after the rule changes originally happened. We went to four quarters, and you could advance the ball. Um, I always think of you as someone who is a visionary when it comes to the game and, and understands the importance of growing it. We've got those changes under our belt. Are there other things you still want to see happen in the women's game, whether it be recruiting, rules, any areas like that? We're trying to change the recruiting calendar. I'm on a committee right now at the NCAA because we're just we're just always away from our kids. We're away from the team that we have uh, because we're on the road recruiting so much. So we're just trying to find that balance of when can we go out recruiting. In the summer is a great time, obviously, to be off campus. After the season's a great time. But in September, we want to be with our team. So we're trying to make some changes to not be able to visit with the juniors. Uh, mm-hmm. Wait wait until the, the following spring to do that. There's a lot of things I think we can do uh, to help us with that work-life balance to keep women in the game. We're losing women from the game, and that's a big issue for us right now. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I, I was talking uh, again to Bree just about something I admire about your program, obviously your coaching tree, because you've had so many players who have coached under you or played under you that have gone on to coach. But you have this brand of a strong woman, you know, and I see it in Skylar. I see it in Dev. I love Dev, by the way. That's my girl. Um, <laughs> you know, I see it in Natalie. Um, is that something you recruit? Because even though I've, I saw those players come in with that, it seems like there's something that happens in your program where these young women are leaving prepared for the world. How does that happen? You know, that's our goal. I think that's my job to really grow their confidence. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing with women. We get we get kids in and, and they have to develop that. I think you come in from high school and freshman year, you're starting over. You're, you're yeah. back at the bottom of the barrel. And everybody's not Skylar Diggins. Everybody doesn't come in with a swagger. Yeah. Um, we, we want them to leave with a swagger. So we do. We spend a lot of time trying to really work with them on that that confidence, having their voice, find your voice, be be somebody that's willing to stand up for yourself. And to have that strong woman, female role model, and that's why I have all women on my staff. I like them to look up and see all women in positions of power. I love that. I really love that. And in, in thinking about the evolution of the game, something that I hear often is that, you know, we have to have better coaching. And I think everyone wants the Muffet McGraw story. I mean, you've put in your work, but everyone wants to be that team that's mentioned with the Tennessees, with the UConn. What was really the key ingredient for you to getting over that hump um, and getting your program to that elite space? You know, I think winning the national championship changed a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but getting back took a long time. I mean, there was another 10 years before we got back to the final four. So I think when Skylar came in, I think she helped change our culture again to get it back to that championship culture that we had. And that was really important. And to go back, you know, to have seven final fours now and five in a row, I think I was 
I was a little surprised when I kept, we, I kept saying, no, it's not just going to happen. You know, right. we and got a lot of happens. work to do and then it would happen. And I think, wow, maybe it is just going to happen. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't last year. So now we're kind of back to uh, working to get us back there. Yeah. And, and that is truly amazing because we know that it's not as easy. I mean, you know, I mean, your numbers may speak otherwise, but it's not easy to continue to get back there. So recently um, you were awarded with the Wooden Coaching Award, which I think well-deserved. Um, congratulations on that. Did you see yourself being here when you first started in coaching? Like, did you see your journey getting to this place? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think when I, I didn't even want to apply for the Notre Dame game, I was so happy at Lehigh. Uh, Notre Dame opened and, and my husband, Matt, kept saying, you got to apply. And I, I was like, you know, I like, I like it here. I'm, I'm comfortable here. And so I had to get out of my comfort zone to go out there. And we went out with a five-year plan of we can go home. In right. five, if it doesn't work out, we'll just go home. <laughs> and all of a sudden it was 10 and it was 20 and now it's 30. And uh, so I, I don't think I ever envisioned that. I was never much of a long-range planner. I was kind of a this, I want to win now. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> see where we go. Well, I think your loyalty to Notre Dame is something, you know, I think about Kobe and the Lakers or Jordan at Chicago and there's Muffet and there's Notre Dame, you know, so your name has become synonymous with the university. I think a level of loyalty that we don't often see um, in the game. So I think that's definitely awesome. So my last question for you before I let you go, you probably have the best dressed staff in all of college basketball, not just women's basketball, but all of college basketball. Do you guys plan these outfits? I mean, uh, sometimes I see you and Yell kind of the same color scheme, and then sometimes CO. I mean, what these these heels? Like, how do you wear these heels for an entire game? Like, what goes into this? I have you know, to ask. There's a lot that goes into it, and I'm somebody that always felt like you you have to look good. When my team used to travel, I used to make them wear skirts. Back in the day, we had to dress up to travel. And I thought that was important as women. Yeah. Um, but now Neil Ivy sets the tone for our fashion. We don't coordinate our outfits. We we happen to wear the same color sometimes, but we run it by Neil. She's the fashion queen. Yeah. She knows exactly. <laughs> and you know, I love to wear heels because TV adds 10 pounds, and I'm going to get three more inches. So right. It's going to work <laughs> Stretch out. Stretch it out this way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just have to say, every time you guys walk in a room, I feel like there should be a red carpet in front of you. Like, I don't even want to come near you. I'm like, back up. You're coming through. Like, you should have security clearing the way. So not only do you guys look fabulous but you've done a wonderful job and congratulations thanks for all you've done for the game and thanks for what you're doing for the game too appreciate it thank you muffet we have with us none other than brianna turner welcome brianna thank you so much we're excited to have you you have been um a shining light here in bristol but let's talk about you um you went to south africa Tell us a little bit about what you learned in that experience because i haven't been to south africa and i want to go so tell me why i should go uh, first off, it's just an amazing place. Uh, we went to Johannesburg and Cape Town for a little bit. We spent about three weeks there, so we split the time in each places. And we did so many things, museums, safaris. Uh, we did community services, Hoops for Hope. Uh, we painted a basketball court for a school. So it was just an amazing experience in such a short amount of time. And when you walked away from that, what is something that you didn't know coming in or that you learned that you carried with you? Um, Just kind of like the realities about what other people's face like I know you can like read it in books you can like kind of see it on tv but actually like being there and being in the situation is so much more different than ever reading about it in a textbook 
Yeah, yeah. I, I've been to parts of Africa, but I've never been to South Africa. I've actually never been to West Africa either. I've been to, I'm not even going to talk about that part of Africa I've been to. But we did get off of uh, the plane and some of the student athletes that were with us were like, are we really in Africa? Because it's different, you know, like South and West, they're all different parts. But I think that's awesome that you spent your time doing that. Now, when you went on this trip, you were still recovering from shoulder surgery. Um, how are you feeling? I feel really good. It's really exciting to be back out there in the court because, of course, in the summer, I just kind of sat and watched. But now just to be back in with things is amazing. Now, tell me about just, you know, with this shoulder, because it started when for you? And then I know you had surgery. Did you also have surgery your freshman year? No, at first dislocated in November freshman year. Then my sophomore year, about a week before, like the one year university, it dislocated again. We were kind of like, I had an MRI. It was like, it was okay. Like, let's take a play on it. So instead of having to have surgery right then and there. So I had surgery this past April, and now I'm back. And you're doing well. And you're out here moving and shaking. I think it's awesome, though, despite all of the shoulder issues that you've had. And I, I read a quote from Muffet where she said last year there was a point where they thought you were going to have to shut it down and you may not be able to play, but that you're such a team player that you wanted to play through it and that you perform at such a high level despite having this shoulder issue, which a lot of people didn't know about. Um, so we're glad you're healthy. Let's talk about the Irish this year. Uh, practices have been going really well. We actually have a really great set of practice guys this year, so they make us better every single day. And Lindsay is just amazing how she is every single day on our team. Her call is like walk around like, hey, go, like greatest of all time. Because that's just Lindsay <laughs> yes. Allen. And we like tag her and put her like goats and stuff just being funny. But Lindsay is just really such a great leader on and off the court. And just being able to play with her that her last year is, is going to be really exciting for us. Who do you think may surprise people this year? I think for sure our freshman will surprise people. Jackie is such a great on-ball defender in practice. Mm-hmm. Like, she's still, she's still in the ball from our practice guys. So I'm like, when this girl is playing against other college girls, she's going to really be getting all the steals. And then Aaron, she honestly has got the quickest release I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Wow. Also player. So I think we're really excited playing with her, especially her on three-point line. She's really going to be unstoppable, unstoppable from there. So playing for Muffet, because let me tell you, Muffet is one of my favorite women's basketball personalities. Like, actually one of my favorite coaching personalities because – I feel like me, in my mind, me and Muffet are like, we're kind of tight. You know what I mean? When I see it, she'd be like, oh, girl, your hair looks good. I'm like, I'm loving it. You know, so we got a little. But she has done so much for the game, just of basketball in general. Obviously, with the recent, she was named a wooden coaching legend, which is a huge honor. But what is it like playing for Muffet? Playing for Coach McGraw is really exciting. Uh, I feel like we see all different sides of her. She's really funny. She makes a lot of jokes. She, like keeps on her toes she's really funny i don't think people know that i don't think so either yes i think (laughs) yeah she's always like making like a side joke or a side comment and just have to like catch it like she'll say it out loud she'll say like well i know somebody here so when you do hear it you're like wow okay right (laughs) but then just like on the court like she's really serious and like just game days in general like kind of she's intense yeah Yeah, just kind of give her some space and she's just really you can just tell how focused she is and like ready yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's amazing what she's done. I mean, you know, we went from a time of talking a lot about a Pat Summit or Gino or Emma to Muffet's in every great coaching conversation you have. So when I think about your game, you know, when whether it was you as a freshman leading the country field goal percentage, how would you describe um, your play in terms of what you're most effective in doing on the court? I think I'm most effective is like using my athleticism. 
Um, Lindsay just does a great job of finding me. So I think lesson in a, in a pick and roll is really good and, like, just getting the lob or just, like, running the floor, just kind of using my athletic abilities. And what did you work on coming into this season? Well, I know you were you were injured for some of that, but what do you want to do different or better this year? Uh, just uh, be more dominant, like, from free throw line extended and, like, just have the defenders guard me from there. Extending that range. So you were watching Candace Parker in the finals, and you're like, okay, I need to stretch the floor a little for bit. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're from Texas, and there is – it seems like there's so much basketball, women's basketball talent in Texas. Is it Pearland? Pearland. Pearland. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say pearls. <laughs> um, what was it like, like – who was good in the state as you were coming up? Like, what was the talent level like in Texas? Uh, the talent level was super high in Texas. My freshman year, I played with Amber Ron. She went on to play at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played with her name, Fallon Ellis. She went on to play at Iowa State. And then just, I switched high school after that. Then one of my teammates, Jordan Hose, she's playing at Texas now. And then my other teammates went to Minnesota. So it was just so much talent in Texas and just, like, playing against all different teams across Texas. And I see a lot of those girls now are on, are on D1 college teams playing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited about the Final Four being in Dallas because I'm thinking about all the grassroots girls basketball there. I mean, I've, I've been hearing about the DFWs of the world. Who would you play AU for? DFW. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've been hearing about the DFWs like forever and just the talent. So I'm excited to see what that will bring to other levels of, of women's basketball. So I love your social media presence. Let's dig into that a little bit. Okay. Um, your Twitter is fun. So you, you met Jamel Hill. I did. And got a follow from Jamel. Who are some of your other favorites on Twitter? Um, I really like you. You keep it real. So I like people yes. that are like, super honest. So yes. That's super funny to me. <laughs> um, you, you know who else is? Oh, but let me know. I don't want to cut you off. You know who else is real and funny to me? Dev Peters. Yes. Dev oh, my gosh. Dev no cut cards. Dev is so funny. <laughs> her honesty. I'm sometimes like, wow. Like, she just. Spoke her mind. <laughs> but yeah, Dev is so funny. And when she comes to campus, I just love talking to her because she's so funny. And actually, Coach McGraw, like, she doesn't take that often. What she does, it's usually something like. Something yeah, good. she hits some with she, a little She something. hits some with yeah. a little punch. She doesn't take that often. What she does, it's really great. I, I feel like I follow, like, a lot of those, like, parody accounts, like, tweet like a girl and, like, all uh-huh. these, like, all those, like, funny twi- uh, Twitters that are just making jokes all the time. So. Yeah. And all these, like, food accounts, of course. Oh, yeah, of course, food. That's important. Because what, what was your place? Uh, the burger place you were trying to tell me was just Water so burger. good. Oh, Whataburger. Anyway. Um, but in speaking of Dev, I think about just the brand of Notre Dame women's basketball. You've got Dev. You've got Natalie. You've got Sky. Like, you – all of you – in some way, take after Muffet, in my opinion, in, in the way that you are strong and you're confident and you're intelligent and all of that. Did Was that part of what attracted you to Notre Dame? Because you had options. Like, what, what made you really ultimately say, this is the place that I want to be? Um, I just, I literally visited Notre Dame my junior year. My junior year on the flight back home, I was like, Mom, I'm going here. Like, sorry if you don't like it. Like, Mom, sorry. this is the school. This is for me. I'm um, just being on campus and just being just, I don't know, just Co- Coach McGraw's program is just so great. And, like, the players on my visit are so welcoming. And then just watching them on TV and just, like, interacting. And they're just such a great program. It's, it's speechless. Yeah. <laughs> they just left me speechless. Yeah, you guys have a great coaching staff, too. You know, I mean, I think I'm, I'm more close to Carol Owens. But, you know, just – 
a great staff of wonderful players in their own right and, and everything that you guys have been able to do. Would shout out to Niel for that Shanene costume because that was just that ho- that was one of my favorite <laughs> Niel Halloween. Niel was Ghostbusters. Was too. she? She, yeah, she didn't put that out there. See, I was on the low. Yeah, let me, let me get that picture. Um, so ultimately this season, what is it going to take? You know, you've got new pieces. I, I still feel like you guys are rather young. I know you've got Lindsay. You've got some experience, you upperclassmen, but you're very talented as well in your freshman and sophomore class, which I think you're going to need. Um, what is it going to take ultimately for you guys to win a national championship this year? Um, I say it's definitely focus on the little things because, I mean, people always say, like, we have to do this, this, and that, but if we can't get the basics down, like, we can't expect to be good at the end. So it's really getting those mixed bo- miss, getting the box outs, uh, rebounding on the offensive end, uh, paying attention to detail, like knowing the plays, just like the simple things that are going to really be a, a big factor in the end. It'll be fun, but y'all have been running the ACC since y'all got in that thing. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Good luck this season. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. No problem. Fans, we want to thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Around the Rim for 2017. We look forward to another fantastic year. Don't forget, you can tweet us, hashtag Around the Rim. You can find me, LaChina Robinson, at LaChina Robinson on Twitter. You can find our producer, Tarika Foster Brasby at she knows sports underscore. And uh, yeah, make sure you download us on the ESPN app. Subscribe there, iTunes, whatever you got to do. Stick with women's basketball, people, until we see you again. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.